MKE Church. Happy Sunday, happy Mother's Day, happy Zao Day. Um, I want to acknowledge real quickly, those of you who have been around here before know that um, it's a slightly different experience every time you're with us at the Miramar. This is not our space and sometimes things change um, and we kind of roll with that. So how many of you have been here on the days where we have actually no lights and we've had to put floor lamps out? Yeah, those are fun days. Um, today we have lights that are coming a little bit directly at you all. <laughs> so sorry about that. We don't know how to fix it, but someday we will. <laughs> and that'll be a different experience. So enjoy the, the blinding light. Um, feel yourselves in solidarity with Paul on his way to Damascus and encounter the Lord. So this morning we are talking, we're in the middle of our Lost and Found series where we're talking about three parables um, told in the Gospel of Luke about things that are lost and then found. Last time we gathered, we were talking about the two sons. There was a man with two sons, and these sons went their different ways. Sometimes that's called the prodigal son. We recast it as the prodigal God, the lavish God. And we so often think of just that one son, the younger son, as lost. But we discovered, actually, there are many ways to be lost and found, invited back into that party. Next time we gather, we'll be talking about the lost sheep, which is uh, a, a more familiar one to a lot of us. Do people know the parable of the lost sheep? S some nods of assent? Yeah. This one, um, the lost coin, is probably the least well-known of the three. It's just a couple little tiny verses tucked away in there. It's really Luke being a good improv comic. Um, it's the rule of threes, right? There's always got to be three examples. And so this one's tucked neatly in the middle, the story of the lost coin, the lost drachma. And this story is uh, told from the perspective of a woman, which is a little bit unusual in other contexts, but is quite standard for Luke. Luke doesn't like to give examples for men without giving equivalent examples for women. And though it may not feel like much of a difference to us now, at the time, shepherding was work that was reserved for men, and household maintenance was work reserved for women. And so Luke is, is telling his audience, his audience, uh, which is, is cast in this telling as men. So in, in Luke's telling, Jesus is talking to a bunch of Pharisees who are all men, uh, but Jesus is giving them an example saying, imagine you are a woman. Now, there's some scholars who say that that would have been scandalous or even outright offensive to the men gathered. They often quote um, a, a prominent Hebrew um, scholar and teacher uh, who taught the prayer to, to pray to God, thanking God that you were born a man and not a woman. It was a rough time. Luckily, things have gotten completely better, am I right? So yeah, it was, it was unusual in some ways, and, and certainly in the way that Jesus loved to do, kind of put, put listeners immediately on edge to hear that they were hearing something a little different, something that might even offend their sensibilities, something that was going to communicate truth, but in a way that was unheard of or, or at least very jarring. So Jesus defies convention from the beginning by saying, imagine, field of powerful men, that you are a woman. And so... There are some people who say like, okay, listen, we don't want to vilify Jewish people. That's a misunderstanding. There are many incredible stories um, taught in Jewish tradition at that time, including Esther and Ruth. So like maybe that's not 
um, as, uh, as intense of a comparison as we think. But there's a, uh, a scholar, Phyllis Tribble, not to be confused with Phyllis Trickle, both incredible people. Phyllis Tribble um, wrote this, much as the ancient housekeeper of the New Testament, while possessing nine coins, searched for the tenth which she had lost, so we too, while acknowledging the dominance of male language in scripture, have little lamp, swept the house, and sought diligently for that which was lost. And so, in a way, this parable itself, featuring a woman, understanding women's spaces, and, and highlighting um, a place where a woman had power, making her the center of the story about the kingdom, is that, that piece of that which has been lost. And so we celebrate it, we note it, we say this is an awesome woman-centric story that Jesus tells to a field of powerful men to remind them that that is what the kingdom is like. So it's a fun parable to begin with and to say, hey, what if, what if we began, as we often talk about here, at the margins, not to bring the margins to the center, but to draw the center out to the margins. So this parable, I will, I will retell it in case you missed it. Um, it was brief. If you were like not paying attention for half a second, it's already gone. There's a woman. There's a woman who had 10 drachmas. Now drachmas, um, we don't really actually know how much they were worth in that time, and the scholarship disagrees on it. Some people say that it was a day's wages. Other people say that it was about 19 cents. Feels like a pretty big gap. Um, in, in, my, in my world. Um, either way, the scholars tend to dismiss it as not a, a lot of, of money, which is confusing to me because like a day's wages is like worth looking for, right? But they were talking about the, um, a meager day's wages. So in either case, this is a woman who is poor. This is a woman who doesn't have a lot. But this is what she has, this collection of 10 drachmas, and she has lost one. Now, one of the things that's really interesting is the phrasing of this word, because in, um, in that culture, what, it's more common to, to phrase and to translate things in the passive. The coin is lost. I remember when I was uh, learning Spanish for the first time and discovered um, how things get talked about, things that are lost or forgotten or broken, and as a perpetually loosey, forgetful, breaking kind of person, uh, I felt so much relief because the phrasing is actually like, um, you know, like, la taza se rompió, the, the cup broke itself, is like the right way to, to say that. And I was like, oh, God, because I thought I was breaking things left and right, but the cup broke itself. <laughs> the language here would normally be that same kind of way, the coin lost itself, the sheep lost itself, forgot itself. And yet here, intentionally, the language is really, really clear that the coin was lost by the woman. And so we have this woman who has lost her coin, who bears responsibility for losing the coin. And so she searches. Now, she's searching in her home, um, and we don't know that much about her home, but we can kind of guess. Homes at the time were made of these stacked stones, and there was light kind of coming in through the cracks of these stones, but, but uh, folks, uh, poor folks wouldn't have had, like, windows. 
So uh, sometimes they had like slits at the top, but it would be dark even in the daytime. And so even in the daytime, looking for something would be effortful. She would have to, as the scripture text says, light a lamp, which is another very feminine image, the lighting of a lamp. Coins lost on a, uh, in a home like that also would have been falling onto dirt floors, dirt and stone combo floors. Sweeping the house to have kind of a hard-packed surface every day would have been just like part of regular life. But this is a different kind of floor than we're used to. And you can imagine how a small coin could get lost there. In fact, when they're excavating some of these old homes in that area of the world, they find coins that have been wedged between stones for, for millennia. And so things that kind of just get lost in these places, in the dark, in the cracks, in the corners, those forgotten pieces of the home. So this woman should be imagined as searching for a small amount of money in a dark house on a dirt floor. Her coin suggests relative poverty, and she searches intentionally and intently. She searches with great care. When she finds it, she is so overcome with joy that she calls all of her friends to throw a party. And again, the, the friends here are specifically called out as women. So she gathers all the women who are her friends and family, and she says, let us celebrate. Now, they didn't know that she had lost it. She's the one that's admitting to that. I, I don't know about you, but when I lose things and recover them with no witnesses, I'm like, I have always had this. <laughs> I didn't spend the last day and a half dickly turning over my entire home, no. But she says, I have lost this, and I found it. It is back with me. Let's celebrate. Let's party. So this is the story that we're entering here. Now, part of the beauty of parables, one of the things that we explored last time that I would encourage everyone to do when they encounter anything that's characterized as a parable in the Bible is to imagine ourselves in different roles. See, we tend to pigeonhole ourselves and say there is one interpretation of this. But parables are tools that God gives us to communicate God's truth. And we that the, the word of God is a living, breathing thing that communicates truth to us. And so we're going to go into a couple of different interpretations. Now, the first one is God as the woman and us as the coin. This is a really standard interpretation because it's modeled off of the shepherd and the sheep, which is almost universally interpreted for us as Jesus is the good shepherd and we are the lost sheep. But how often do we hear about God, the good housewife, or Jesus, the good woman? This is another way that, that these pieces have been lost. As Phyllis Tribble says, it is one of the coins that has been tucked away in a forgotten corner of the house. But that is the exact image that Jesus gives us here. Jesus as the good woman. Jesus as the good housekeeper, homeowner, housewife, who searches and searches. Now the drachma, I mentioned, the value is unknown. But the worth of the drachma to the woman is evident by her searching. And so we know that the world Found God, the world in the universe of this story, doesn't understand her searching, doesn't understand the worth that she places on this one little coin. This can be an understanding of God's assessment of our worth. We talk often here about 
how each of us is worthy in this incredible way that God understands and the world continues to reject, to misunderstand as if on purpose, to say that we have lost our value. The coin, interestingly, as a metaphor, doesn't lose its value, lost, found, or otherwise. It remains the same. And so for those of us who have been told, oh, the minute you wander away from the pack, the minute that you are different, the minute that you have lost yourself, you are worth less. But that's not the working metaphor here. That worth is fixed. It's not up for debate. And the searching is evidence of the fact that God cannot and will not rest until all is reunited, until that last piece is back in her possession. It reminds me a little bit of another story that Jesus told about a widow who gave what little she had at the temple. Jesus tends to see something that we often overlook, which is that poor women know the value of things that the world has forgotten. And so again, Jesus says, I am a poor woman who understands what has been lost, who sees the value in what the rest of you have forgotten. I have the wisdom of poverty. I have the wisdom of womanhood. And I will search for that which you overlook. This stack of coins, have you ever had just like a handful of quarters? Imagine 10 quarters. Now imagine nine quarters. Pretty much the same thing, right? Like, I, I imagine that if I had a stack of 10 quarters and I left it somewhere and I went to pick it up, I would not notice if one was missing. And so again, it, it, it connotes this God who cares. She counted. She counts. She keeps track. When one is gone, she notices. And their value is immense to her. God says we are worthy of searching for and not coming back less than when we were originally in God's care. So it's a rebuke of the world's logic. Her searching gives it value. God, as this woman, is acting for her own sake. So again, if, if no one else in the world knows that she lost this, and if perhaps this drachma is not really worth that much, then she's acting for her own sake because it matters to her that she finds it. It matters to God that you are found. It matters to God that the world is made whole again. And this is where we come to holiness as wholeness. Now, we often like to think of holiness as purity, purity from sin. But that would be a metaphor where God is sitting there polishing her, cone, her coins. And that's not what she's doing. In fact, she's looking for probably what is the dirtiest, dustiest one, the one that has been wedged between rocks in the corner of the house. That's the one she wants. Because what she wants is not something pure and clean. She wants something that is whole. She wants to bring back what is lost and separated. In the East, in the Christian tradition, holiness is not thought of as purity or even righteousness in the way that we talk about it in the West. It's not talking about, you know, um, following all the rules exactly. Holiness is actual wholeness, perfection in the sense of all things coming together. And so when we talk about God reconciling all things to God's self, we are talking about something that is broken, being made whole again. And we see that here as God, the good woman, saying, what has been lost must be made whole, and I will not rest until each piece of me comes back into my care. 
Now, the self as coin is an interesting place for us to rest in this story because if God is the woman, then we are the coin. So often, when we are hearing talk of repentance in particular, there's a kind of fiery blame associated with it, am I right? Repent, sinners. I recently saw um, a friend of mine posted, uh, they were in a grocery store in Chicago, and in the like coffee and tea section, somebody, in all caps, I might add, had written little post-it notes that were like, the end is near, Repent. Which, and that then they had stuck on like bags of coffee and tea. <laughs> Super effective evangelism, am I right? <laughs> My friend was like, it's like the horrible Christian scavenger hunt nobody asked for. <laughs> and so there is this kind of vibe that we get anytime we see those verses that are like, repent. So it is, this is how this parable is, is end, the framework on the end of this parable. So it is, uh, when one, repent, one sinner repents. That is what this story is about according to Luke's framework for Jesus. And so we would think then that it's, you know, this coin, this terrible coin has grown legs in defiance of God, wandered off and said, I don't want any part of your love. And, and that it's the coin's responsibility to find its own way back. But again, that's not Jesus' metaphor. That's not the operative metaphor we're working with. And for us to impose that is, again, for us to deliberately misunderstand God, to impose our own logic of value, and to say, oh, right, we're garbage. That's kind of the underlying theme of a lot of misunderstanding of Bibles, is like, oh, right, we're garbage. <laughs> but Jesus doesn't play those games. And in fact, this story that he's talking about has no responsibility on the coin, and, and the coin being reunited with the whole means nothing for the coin in terms of the coin's responsibility and action. So if we traditionally are supposed to interpret this as God, as the woman, and us as the coin, then it is a message of God's saving grace that requires nothing from us. Actually nothing. That repentance is not actually all on us. In this metaphor, it's not on us at all. It is the focus here that God is finding us, that part of repentance is God's search for us and we are carried along. We were hidden. And in fact, God, as the woman, takes responsibility for our loss. God says, I have lost this coin as the woman, and I must find it. Because God's project of reconciling all things, God making us all whole, is something that God is doing with or without us. That God's work on this world is to reconcile and make complete and whole again. And that we, as a coin, are just along for the ride. So is God taking responsibility then for our sin, for our brokenness, for the unwholeness that is unholiness? God says, I have lost this. I will light a lamp and find it again. And then there will be celebration. There will be a party. And we get this glimpse of this end of the universe eschatological vision of like, then we will party. I'm going to bring all my girlfriends and we are going to party it up. That is God's plan. That is God's plan from this reading of the parable that God acts and we receive and God throws a party. 
And so, if we are to hear the parable that way, then we see a vision of a God, a God who is either flawed or at least on a journey, a God who is bringing all things back to herself, and we, the coin, we, the ones who have suffered, lost in the corner, are awaiting her victory and her celebration. But that is not the only way to interpret this. Because if we call the coin a character in this story, there are two characters in this story. And so what is it like if we reverse that role? If we interpret ourselves as the woman, if we, like Jesus speaking to the parables here, imagine yourself a woman. Imagine a woman who had 10 drachmas. What if we are the woman in this story? There are scholars who say this is a story of Advent of joy, of discovery, of finding the treasure, which is the kingdom. Now the treasure, the coin, this could be God, this could be the kingdom of God. That's how Jesus likes to talk about the parables, is the kingdom of God, this community, this thing that is coming and already here. And so, we imagine the story again. We are a woman, you are a woman. You had 10 coins, and you've lost one. You know that it's there. It's yours. It's been yours. You know that it has value. And so you stop everything. You light a lamp. You search. You sweep. You get on your hands and knees. You check every corner. You know it must be here. And eventually, on finding it, you say, I have found what I lost. I lost it, and now it's back. And again, you celebrate. You call everyone you know. And you say, I found it. It's back. Let us party. If we are the woman in this story, and we are looking for the kingdom, then the kingdom is something we can lose track of. But it's something that was ours from the start. We have to search for it. Our search will be effortful. And you know what? People might not understand our search. We might not understand our search. Why are we looking so hard for this thing? We have nine others. It's probably fine. It's not worth that much anyway. Who says I ever even had it? Maybe it isn't for me. Maybe it doesn't exist. And yet we search, and we are called to search like the faithful woman. And we dust, and we search. We get on our hands and knees, and we say, this thing... My self is not whole without it. I have to find it. And then on finding it, the joy that we discover at finding that missing piece is enormous and so disproportionate to what we thought it was worth. Even in the searching, we didn't know what it was worth until we found it again. And we have to tell everyone about it. And we have to celebrate because the coin was lost, and we were lost, and we have been found as we found the coin. The emphasis is on the joy of discovery in this story. Our joy. Our joy at finding what we didn't think we had. And again, we keep, when we, when we watch these stories play out, when we tell these stories again and again, we keep focusing on earning and des- undeserving. The way that we talked last time about the prodigal son, a father had two sons, there is this sense of who earned what. And God isn't buying into that system of logic at all. It's never a real question. God is baffled by it. Similarly here, Jesus talks about this coin. The coin belongs to the woman. It is her coin. 
The kingdom is yours. It was made for you. So there aren't really questions about earning your place in it or whether you deserve to be there because it is yours. Now you have lost it. You may have be searching for it, but it is yours the entire time. It is yours when it is in your hand. It is yours when you have forgotten about it. It is yours when it is stuffed away in a closet, in a corner. It is yours when you discover it again. And so too is your joy on discovering it. How many of you have felt that in church, in your life, in your community? The joy of discovering that you are part of something. The joy of discovering that your worth was always there. The joy of discovering that you are known, loved, claimed by the God who created you. That God never forgot about you for a second. You only misplaced that knowledge. This parable, when we are the woman, is about the beauty and joy of rediscovering the truth of our inheritance that the kingdom belongs to us and that our place is in the center of God's love and God's loving family. It's not about earning or deserving anything. It's already ours. And so when we are reunited with that promise, with that gift that has been ours all along, what is there to do but party, but celebrate, but tell everyone you know? Being with your family, being with your friends, those things that make up that kingdom of God, the outpouring of God's love into the world all around you. And so that raises the question for me, can we lose and find the kingdom over and over again? Because I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm losing it a lot. But I feel like I find it again too. And in those moments of reconnection, in those moments of touching that coin that I felt I felt the missing weight in my hand, and then I feel that coin again. A surge of joy overcomes me, and I'm like, this is real. It's real in a way that I had forgotten, real in a way that I couldn't remember 30 seconds ago when I was searching. And so part of the faithful journey is searching and searching and searching, finding and finding and finding, knowing that even if we can't hold our grip forever, it will still be there and still be powerful every time we rediscover it, every time we reconnect to the love of God, every time we remember that ours is the kingdom and we belong there. Have you ever found something that you had forgotten about and become overcome with joy? Years ago, I recent, in my search, I learned it was rebroadcast apparently this year, so maybe it's not such an old reference, but years ago there was a radio lab episode, I believe it was about happiness, and they talked about an explorer. We're going to queue up that video. So this is an explorer, a South Pole, um, a South Pole expedition, where this, uh, this, person had, um, this person had gone to the South Pole and back, and along the way, as is standard practice, had buried supplies and extra food. So they've been on this expedition for 86 days. And he knows he's buried something, but he doesn't remember what. Um, in, in some other documents, he says, you know, I was subsisting mostly on like protein bars and like super healthy food. Um, and so, you know, not a lot of it had like a lot of taste or whatever. And so he's, he's discovering at this hole what he has what he has forgotten. He's, he didn't write down what he had buried, so he doesn't know what's in here. But he's expecting some basic food and supplies. And I'll still over hope. 
Bursdikker, enda mer vaselin, og jeg har for så vidt ikke bruk for. Sinksalve, vi kaller lagen. Det er ganske mye her, så det er tydeligvis bra. Ja! Ja! Extra trekt av... Hva er det jeg har tenkt, da? Har jeg det vel lagt til dette her? Jeg har sikkert tenkt at jeg har prøvd å spart vekk, da. Det er jo ikke mulig. And so before he breaks into um, Handel's Hallelujah Chorus, he discovers cheese doodles and, uh, and a chocolate bar and gummy bears. And you can see, I mean, like, so I don't know, does anybody speak the language that he was speaking? Icelandic, okay. So I don't. Uh, but who, did anyone misunderstand his experience? Who can relate to that? The sheer joy, the simple joy. And what's so funny is that those cheese doodles, it's probably equivalent to like a bag of Cheetos, right? So how common, how easy would it be to find in another circumstance? These things don't have like their own inherent value. He didn't discover like a, gar, a bar of gold. He discovered puffy, weird, chemical processed corn, corn balls, right? with weird cheese powder on them. But in that moment, the joy that he felt connecting is something we would not experience what he experienced just now if we just, if I passed out cheese doodles. Now that would be a pretty good, pretty good idea. But if, <laughs> it would be a snack to us. But he has been separated from his cheese doodles. He has been on a long, hard journey. And he had forgotten he had forgotten what exactly it was he buried. He knew that he needed it. He knew that it was going to sustain him. But he had forgotten that it would bring him silly, wonderful, childlike joy. 
The kingdom is a lost coin. The kingdom is a forgotten bag of cheese doodles. Hear me when I say that. We have spiritualized a lot the parables to the point of not really understanding how silly they would have sounded. The kingdom is a bag of gummy bears that you forgot you buried in the South Pole. It's the same metaphor, it really is. And so, as we approach our own spiritual journey, as we are in the search ourselves for the kingdom, for that which we lost, that which maybe we found, maybe we find over and over again, but when you are feeling lost from God, when you feel like the kingdom is just an idea, just something stuffed away in your closet, your effortful search is rewarded with immense joy. Your search is faithful. And the value of the kingdom is shown in your search. And when it reveals itself to you, the spontaneous singing, the joy, the falling out, the laughter, the community, the sharing, that video connects people all across the world, this universal human experience. The kingdom is yours. It may be buried but you can unbury it and discover it over and over and over again. John Dominic Crossan says that these parables, they show us what we must find, even if it is true that it is a finding of that by which we were already and always found. I'm going to read that again and then I'm going to explain it because it's super weirdly worded. It is that what uh, these parables are about, that which we must find, even if it is true that it is a finding of that by which we were already and always found. Which is to say, both of these readings, you are a woman who had ten coins, and God, Jesus, is a woman who had ten coins. Both of these readings are true. That God searches and finds you, God's wealth has been fractured and God seeks to make all things whole and you are swept up in that, literally swept up by God's loving care. And also, you are the woman searching. You are the woman who knows that something that you have, something that belongs to you is lost, that you must find it again. And on discovering it, the joy that overwhelms you is unexpected each time. That you find something worth more than you even thought in your searching. You find something, even though your searching may be an anathema to others, even though no one might understand it, you might not even understand what you are looking for, and yet you do that. You dig up your, your flag pole site on the South Pole. You discover what is hidden underneath, and maybe there is equipment there that you desperately need, and also cheese doodles. And the joy will lay you out. Will you join me in prayer? Good and holy God, you are a God who searches for us as we are a people who search for you and for your kingdom. God, may your kingdom sweep us up. May your will sweep us up in your reconciling love. And also, God, may we discover you. May we search for you. May we check every corner. May we defy the logic of our communities and our world and our society. And in fact, go all in on that last coin. God, may we seek your kingdom with diligence and may we be overcome with joy when we find the fullness 
of what lies there. In your name we pray. Amen. And so would you join us either in body or in spirit by standing as we think about what we are 